Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the feather, feather, not the feathered. Wow, <laughs> it's early morning when we record these podcasts, people. Welcome to the feathered desert. Kirsten here, and Cheryl is with me, and we thought we would end the year with a listener questions episode. So these are some questions that we've heard several times from different listeners, and that's it that I have for the opening. So we're just going to jump right in, feet first, with Cheryl and our first question. Yeah. First question is, can I buy an owl as a pet here in the Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona? And sometimes when when we do these, I feel like we need a buzzer. Yes. (laughs) I really need to invest in a buzzer. (laughs) Just so we can hit it so that people understand how wrong the question is um, in this particular case. We know it sounds crazy, but we have had more than one person ask us this. And you, can, you cannot legally buy any bird protected under the Migratory Bird Act as a pet in the United States. That includes barn owls, screech owls, great horned owls, and any other owls naturally found here in Arizona. It is a federal offense to own the birds or house them in your home without the proper permits from Arizona Game and Fish and the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. If you are seeing advertisements or have heard from people that it's legal, you are being misinformed. And there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. People who are trying to sell them to you are breaking the law and have most likely taken them out of the wild illegally as well. Besides being illegal, it's also a great disservice to these beautiful animals to take them away from their homes. And let's just go into besides it being illegal, you don't really know why someone wants an owl in their house as a pet. We don't really understand that. Mm -mm. You have to feed them mice, baby chicks, and ground up horse meat to provide them a well-balanced diet. And if you do not, they will develop a medical, a metabolic bone disease, which makes their bones brittle and is a terrible way to slowly die. Not we know pretty. this is a harsh topic, but we want to make it very clear why having an owl as a pet is a bad idea. Yeah, such a bad idea. Yes. <clears throat> and remember, these birds are also called, excuse me, raptors <clears throat> for a reason. They have large, sharp talons on their feet that they use to catch prey. Those don't stop being sharp or dangerous just because you decide to keep them as a pet. And they're not afraid to use them if you, like ruffled their feathers the wrong way right yeah just because you take this wild animal and put it in your house it's not domesticating them they're not going to be happy to see you they're not going to cuddle with you they're not going to be like your dog or your cat which are domesticated animals that come home and be like oh we're so happy to see you no this is that's not the relationship you're going to have with this kind of animal (laughs) no there are so many other reasons why they make bad pets Basically, we want to let you know that owls as pets are illegal and are an extremely bad idea, as well as unfair to the bird. If you see advertisements for owls for sale here in the Phoenix Valley, please report it to Arizona Game and Fish so they can get these birds back to where they need to be. If you are interested in working as a rehabilitator for owls, which is probably the better idea, because they always need help, 
You can help at organizations such as Liberty Wildlife or Wild at Heart, both great organizations, and become a licensed rehabber. And we will list this information, the contact information, in our show notes. Kirsten? Absolutely. Next question. Next question. Okay. Do the wild lovebirds found in the Phoenix Valley make good pets? We're kind of starting (laughs) off with a theme here. (laughs) The answer to this question is definitely no. Our resident lovebirds do descend from pet birds. But the ones that you see outside right now have lived in the wild for many generations and they have rewilded themselves. They are now wild birds that have no interest in living in our homes, nor do they need our help to survive. They know just how to make it on their own out there in the desert. It is, of course, completely okay to offer supplementary bird feeding stations in your yard, as many Wild Birds Unlimited customers do. That is totally fine. That's You're bringing them into your yard, not your home. We have had some reports that people may possibly be capturing wild lovebirds and selling them as pet birds. Now, there's no law against this, as there is with the owls, because these lovebirds are not native to North America. They're actually native parrots of Africa, and they were released in small numbers about 35 years ago here in the valley. But they are still wild animals that do not deserve to be taken out of the wild and forced to live out the rest of their lives in a cage in someone's house. We wouldn't want someone to do that to us. So if you are interested in lovebirds as pets... Please seek out a reputable breeder who breeds captive-born lovebirds responsibly. These will make better pets because they're used to people interacting with them closely and have never experienced life in the wild. Capturing wild individuals will stress them to the point that it can impact their health, leaving them open to disease and shortening their lives. To make sure you are purchasing from a breeder that is on the up and up, ask to see their breeding set up and ask to see the parents of the birds you'll be purchasing. Any responsible breeder will say yes to this question. Mm-hmm. When you go, you should see obvious signs of the birds pairing with each other, such as they're living in a cage together, they're making their own nests, they're even raising the young themselves. If the person you're buying from refuses this request, move on to someone else. Also, if the price of the birds is too good to be true... It probably is someone who is capturing them from the wild and wants to sell the birds as soon as possible. Now, choosing to have a bird for a pet is something that is not for every household. I know there are a ton of social media videos out there that make it seem like it's easy and it's super fun and the bird's going to sit on your shoulder and eat out of your mouth and oh my gosh, I want to do that. But living, having birds living in your house is not for everyone. Please, please, please do your homework before you choose this animal as a pet. That goes for any type of bird, whether it is a parrot or a canary or whatever. I will be posting some links in our show notes at the end of this podcast for a few insightful websites that can help you make an informed decision about having a bird as a pet. Yes. Especially a parrot. Yes. All sorts of issues with that. Yes. (laughs) So here's one. Might not be need the buzzer for this one. Yes. So, um, <laughs> what should I do about uh, my bird feeders when it rains? Now, we had a lot of rain earlier in the fall and winter, but yes. right now, since this is December 2022 and it's close to Christmas, it's dry. We're like the only place in the United States that's right dry right now. That yes. it's dry. Not warm, but dry. So this is a great question, but not often... One we have to think about outside of monsoon season, like I was just saying, here in the Phoenix Valley. 
If the day calls for light passing showers, you don't have to do much of anything. Both two feeders that hold loose seed and cylinders that are exposed to the rain will be fine if it is only light rain. After the weather has settled, go out and shake your tube feeder with the loose seed. If the seed shakes and does not clump, no moisture has gotten inside and the seed will be fine for the birds to continue to eat. If you have clumping seeds, you need to throw those seeds out, clean your feeder, and put fresh seed in. This will prevent growth of mold that can be, determined, de be detrimental I'm sorry, to the bird's health and yours. If we have heavy rain or rains that last all day, cylinders made with seeds and gelatin will dissolve. Trust me, it ends up on the ground. Mm. Plan ahead and take those feeders in or you will have a messy, goopy clump of food on the ground the next day and no one wants to eat it. Except the pigeons. Because <laughs> they'll eat anything. <laughs> For tube feeders, it depends on where you have them hanging. If they are under a tree or an awning that gives them some shelter from the weather, they will probably be fine. Just check them once the weather calms down, as we discussed before. The same advice goes for your suet feeders. If they are in an area where the rain will get to it, the suet will crumble out of the feeder. Purchasing a weather guard for use during monsoon season can also be a great way to shelter food if you have a pole system in the middle of your yard. Oh, I have a weather guard on my, because um, Niger is so susceptible to that. It's yeah. the only seed that I actually have out that has a shell on it. I put a weather guard on it. Um, I go out there every time there's like a chance of rain, I put the weather guard on it. Yeah, right? yeah, you don't have to use the weather guard every single day. You can just do it when they're predicting rain. Yes. Do not worry about birds during the rain. Most often they are hunkering down in a tree somewhere waiting out the rain themselves. While we are on the subject of cleaning, Kirsten always manages to sneak this in. <laughs> After rain, you should, you should also clean out and refill your bird baths in case something has washed off a roof or the trees that might have chemicals in them that are bad for the birds. You don't want them drinking that or bathing in it. Yeah, that's very that's actually very important because we recently I recently read that there are chemicals in our rainwater. Yeah, that none of our water is completely free of those permanent chemicals. Yeah, I can I forget the acronym for it. Um, yeah, so, so those chemicals that don't break down that don't break down over time. Right. Yeah, they're starting to accumulate in our rain. In our rain, because that is stuff that comes from the ground and goes up into the. We all kind of know the water process. Or at yeah. least hopefully. So I always... At least they're still... They're teaching that in school still, right? How? I believe so. <laughs> Evaporative water yes. works? Okay. <laughs> they should be. How we get rain? Right. <laughs> you never know these days what they've decided not to teach. If you don't know, the Arizona Science Center has a great exhibit on rain and weather. Excellent. But, um, I always wash out my bird baths. Yes, I do. I go out to and I'll... Um, you, you don't necessarily have to do a... Um, a full clean, but just get that water that came from the rain yes. out, spray it out, and put some fresh in there. Yeah, that's what I do. All right, our next question is, what is the difference between Wild Birds Unlimited seed and seed I find in the grocery store or hardware stores? And I know Cheryl and I have had this question quite a lot. And um, over the years, we both actually used seed from Wild Birds Unlimited. Um, as many of our longtime listeners know, we currently... At the recording of this podcast in 2022 of December, um, are employees of a Wild Birds Unlimited store in Mesa, Arizona. 
But having said that, we both actually used seed from a Wild Birds Unlimited store before we began working here because they have no waste guarantee and they use human grade seed in their mixes. So the difference is that Wild Birds Unlimited does not allow any seed that will not readily be eaten by songbirds in the seed that they sell. Other stores, and by other stores, I mean stores that do not focus directly on outdoor bird feeding. Because there are other specialty stores with different names out there besides WBU that actually does do carry excellent seed as well. So I mean other stores like grocery stores and hardware stores. They don't really care that much about the inedible seed that gets into their mixes. Um, seeds such as Milo, cracked corn, wheat, and canary seed are all items that songbirds that we want to attract will not eat. They will just sit in the feeder and then the birds when they come to eat them are gonna toss those pieces out on the ground because they're digging for the stuff that they really want to eat and then you just got a whole bunch of stuff on the ground. And then what happens? Many of you right now can tell me. <laughs> then this attracts doves and pigeons which most of us do not want flocks of in our yard. So the seed at Wild Birds Unlimited stores and many other specialty stores will be more expensive, but you're paying for seed that the birds will eat, not filler that they will not eat. So one of the other questions that we get specifically is about Niger seed. Because if you look at a bag of Niger from Wild Birds Unlimited um, and you look at one from a hardware store, they look the same, they're both Niger seed. So is there a difference? And there actually is a difference. So the Niger seed, for those of you who don't know, is that small little black seeds that fit in finch feeders, used to be called thistle for a long time, and are often sold inside socks already at other stores. And WBU Niger better than other stores is our question. Without any bias on my part, the answer is yes. And that's because Wild Birds Unlimited imports Niger from India, which is where the aster plant that this seed comes from grows natively. So these plants are very healthy and they're abundant, which will make their seeds robust and full of nutrients. Some farmers have figured out how to grow this seed in North America in large enough fields to make it worth their while, and birds will eat these seeds, but the aster plant struggles to grow well here. So the seeds lack some of the nutrients from the aster that comes from India. So if you give the finches a choice, between the India seeds and the North American seeds, they will pick the India seeds. Now, when I was writing this, I was imagining like blindfolding the little birds, like taste tests that <laughs> like they the do on TV. Test, like Pepsi yes. and Coke. <laughs> and, and, and give them a little uh, container here and a little container here. Uh, that's not what they do. But I have actually seen that in my own backyard because um, when I first moved here actually to Arizona, I just went and quickly bought a small bag of Niger from a hardware store. And I put it out and I was like, oh, I'm getting some finches. And then when it was getting lower to the bag, I, I found a Wild Birds Unlimited near me and I grabbed a bag of Niger and I did, sadly, I was very mean to the little finches. I made them finish up the hardware store scene <laughs> before I used it. But it was literally like two fat house finches sitting there. Like these are like the bully giant house finches. And they were the only two eating off the feeder. As soon as I put the Wild Birds Unlimited stuff in there, the feeder was completely filled with finches. So they do know the difference between good quality food and they're definitely going to choose something that's better for them. Yes. And they're picky eaters to begin with. Oh, yes. Uh, goldfinches are. So <clears throat> my question, and I believe it's the last one. Yes. Why do the birds in the city eat french fries and potato chips, but the ones in my yard leave that stuff alone and only eat the seeds I offer in my feeder? 
This was a question from one of our co-workers, and such an insightful one, we thought it demanded a bit of discussion. We believe there are two reasons for this difference. One is that many of the birds that have adapted to living in the city are grain-eating birds, such as house sparrows, grackles, and starlings. In the wild, these birds will eat different types of grains as well as seeds. French fries and potato chips are only a hop, skip, and a jump away from a grain. I'm going to use that now when I want French fries. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's got a lot of extra stuff that's not good for you, but technically. Yeah, but it's in the... It's the, in the grain box. It's, it's in the okay. grain box. Thank you, Kirsten. <laughs> Many of us do have house sparrows at our backyard feeders, but why would they eat poor quality food like French fries when they have high quality stuff like black oil sunflower seeds? That is, <clears throat> that is in the feeder. They're, so they're smart. Yeah. And they really know what's better for them. Yes. So if we hung an sunflower seed feeder at McDonald's, they probably would leave the french fries alone. Probably. So maybe we ought to incorporate that. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. The second reason is probably culturally, which I find this fascinating. The city birds learn to eat french fries and potato chips from their parents, while the backyard birds learn to eat from our native plants and our bird feeders. So I find that totally... Yeah, I think it's a twofold issue, and I thought yeah. it was really interesting that our coworker mentioned it one day to us, and we're like, you know, we probably all see this, and we've never thought Don't to think ask about the question. It, yeah. yeah. All right. In closing, we hope that this episode has answered a few questions for all of our listeners, and as we say goodbye to 2022, we hope you'll keep enjoying the birds in 2023 by getting outdoors to watch our feathered friends. Maybe join a citizen scientist group or two. I know we talked about those in some of our podcasts. And keep listening to the feathered desert. Now, Cheryl, I have a little question for you. Before uh-uh. we sign off, do you mind if I take a moment? To make a shameless plug for the other podcast I've started at the end of this year? No, because I love it. Okay, good. So for those of you who like learning new things about all types of nature, I, Kirsten, have started a podcast called 10 Things I Like About. And it's all about unknown or misunderstood wildlife. I'll be talking about things like the pangolin, the vaquita, the tarantula, and many other animals you've probably never heard of. Each topic consists of 10 episodes that are 10 minutes apiece. And Cheryl is occasionally my co-host as well. So check it out in 2023.